dear candidates, I'd like to talk to you this morning about the 16 days of activism. Activism against men's demeaning attitude towards women. Activism against men's violence against women. But I would also like to note from the very beginning that there are men, uh, husbands, who are committed to their families, to their wives, who are witnesses to Christ in their efforts to be faithful, to be loving, to be respectful to the wives in particular and to women in general. Now, discrimination against women. I talk to you this way today because you might not yet experience this, but it will come. And so, it is good that you keep this at the back of your mind and be able to react to it when it happens to you. You see, discrimination against women is like racism, where one group thinks that it is superior to another group. So discrimination by men, men, some men, even though I tend to generalize, some men somehow think that they are superior to women. I'm not sure where that comes from. Discrimination against women is like slavery of yesteryear, when again, one group thought that they could use another group to do their chores, to do work for them, and exploit them. Even though they know full well, deep down in their hearts, that the other people they are exploiting, they are as good as they are, they are human beings like themselves. Discrimination against women is like human trafficking, where you have groups of people who think that they can use other people to gain money, essentially by selling them as sexual sex objects to other men. And so this twin, the denial of the twin rights of equality and participation by men, denying women the right to be equal to them, something funny about the way we think. Even the funny thing about men is that we, dis we even discriminate against the very wives whom we have 
taken a vow that they will be our partners for life, that we will work for them, we will do everything for them. And yet somehow we think we're superior to them. We forget conveniently that when we get married, we actually accept the challenge that we are expected to become one. One in thinking, one in doing, one in being. That we will build a unity, a togetherness that will make us happy, give us joy, even if there's pain, joy, contentment for the rest of our lives. It is obviously not so. We know this from the bickering that takes place in families. Now, I say to you, dear candidates, if somebody, when you do get married, and you will get married, I don't expect all of you to become nuns. It wouldn't be a bad idea, but that's not how people are made. Once you become married and you leave, you stay with somebody who as much as raises his voice against you, take that as a bad sign, as a bad omen, let alone when he slaps you. When that happens, Go. Don't wait for 20 years. You know, this is what happens in real life. I know this not because I'm married. I know this because, because once you are married in the church, your marriage, if you think you are not properly married, your marriage has to be annulled by the church. And that is how I know, because then people apply to the church for the annulment of their marriage. The argument normally would be like, our marriage was never really a marriage. It was a shame from day one. And by that time, after 20 years, you probably are already living with somebody else. Generally, when people come to annul their marriages, it's because they have found another partner. But they want to formalize their marriage and be freed from the previous marriage. But they do it after 10, after 20 years. I think they should do that after one year. When you see the cracking on the wall, the crack on the wall. Take it as a sign. There's no, there's no ancestral spirit that's going to whisper into your ear. You should know that from your relationship with your partner. Once, and you will know because you live with this person, you will know. You will know whether things are right or wrong. 
so there's no point in waiting for another 10 years. Another reason why people allow themselves to become slaves in their own marriages is because you suddenly you realize that you have, you have five children, six children. Children are full in a wheelbarrow. So you ask yourself, where are you going to go to with so many children? And you stay. And when you stay, you become a slave in your own home. The, the solution to this, dear candidates, this is the best time you are in. This, this is your time. Use this time to get a profession, to study, get a profession, acquire a skill. Become independent before you get married. Don't wait and say, no, I, I will do it when I'm 40 years old. When you are 40, you are too old. Do it, do it now when you are still young and strong and you have all the energy and the desire to become what you want to be in life. Do it before marriage. You see, if you do it before marriage, when you do get married, and this friend of yours annoys you, tell him to take his jacket and If he doesn't do that, if he's going to wrangle over the house, over the car, over the things he has provided you with, then go, leave him with those things. Start from scratch. You are able to do that. If you haven't been to school, you have no profession, you have no skill, you become a respectable slave. I know I've been saying this for so many years. And each time I see a young girl of 16 years, 15 years, 17 years, holding a child, and I say, oh, the calabash is broken. You, you, you can't, you can't. And why do you still think he's got one baby, there's a second one on the way? Once you have a child, you are no longer free because you have a new responsibility. You can't study at night. The child cries during the night. I don't know why girls can't see this. I don't know why they prefer to be blind. And we, grow, we all grow in families where there are hustles. If it's not my parents, it's my aunt, it's my sister-in-law, we know this. And so, but why don't we think that this is likely to apply to us? Discrimination against women is seen in physical abuse, in sexual abuse, in economic abuse, where women are exploited, and paid less. Even today, 
you would think we're in a clever world. Women of the same profession as men, some still get paid less than men. Oh, women play football, but they are paid less than men who play football. And some of them don't even know how to play like Bafana Bafana. But they get paid more than women. The different types of violence against women, rape against women, abduction against women, up to the point of committing femicide. Men seem, we seem, I don't know where we get this heart from that we can kill our partners. I don't know what kind of jealousy it is in men that we would lose our head and kill, murder the very people whom we said we love and we kill them in the end. I don't understand where that hatred comes from. I don't know whether to continue. Do you think I should stop now? I think you, I think you have the, a sense of where I'm going. You see, but also in the African culture, embedded in our culture at times is discrimination against women. For example, there are still families that marry, that give their daughters, young daughters as early as as 14 years old and give them in marriage to an older, bold, bold man and say, you, you will grow to love him. <laughs> we still do that in our families. I know of a, a, of a young man of 22 years old. His head was a little bit off. And his family said, no, there is a solution to that madness. Let us go to Guiana and find him a wife. The wife will cure him. But where have you seen a wife curing a mad person? <laughs> but we do that. Then someone to argue that there's no longer any polygamy. There's lots of polygamous marriages. Here in Soweto, here in Soweto, I know of people who leave three men who go to church at Regina Mundi, but he has, another, he has a house here in Morocco, but he has another house in Pinville. I don't know what kind of schedule he keeps. But it's like, in many homes, it's just that these things we know, but pretend that we don't know them. Many men who come from Echozini, who come from Luma Nyane in Mafikeng, who come from Kovimvaba, they have families wherever they come from. They've been working here for what? 10, 20, 30 years, they have families here in Johannesburg. And so if you say to this man, I know of a much younger person, man, he's from Mozambique, 
He's got a family in Mozambique. When you get married, you are supposed to, t- to take your wife, introduce him to your family and to your ancestors. He can't take this wife to his family because he doesn't want the wife to know that he's got another family in Mozambique. And so we live in these families. This is, I'm not telling you any new thing. We live with these families. I think what the man should do, if you decide to have a, another, a second wife or a third wife, I mean, a good example, if, if our kings have two, three, four, five wives, and you think that they are the only ones? No, they are not the only ones. I think if a husband is going to take another wife, he should ask at least Ask for permission from your present wife. Can you take another one? You can't even afford to pay for them anyhow, so I'm not very sure. I'm not very sure why you want to have so many wives as if you want to have many cattle. Polygamy is not dead, it's alive. The tradition of Lobola. I don't know. Nowadays, in some families, they ask for 80000 for 120000 Are you buying furniture? <laughs> it's, a, it's a cultural item that used to work in the past. A good symbolism for uniting families. But that meaning is gone. That meaning is gone. Now I know some women still want Lobola to be paid because they say, if you don't pay Lobola for me, it's like a fat and set situation. I, I, I don't feel I'm truly married. Lobola is not marriage. Lobola, marriage is not Lobola. Marriage is a relationship between two people. Barrenness, inability to bear children. Men are so sensitive. And they always blame the wife. I don't know why they don't think that they too can be sick. They too can be deprived of something physical. I think if you are married to somebody and somehow you can't have children and he wants to go, let him go. Let the dog go. (laughs) Finally, Racism is in the laws of a country. Discrimination, I'm sorry, against women is in the laws of the country. For example, the the children of migrants. First of all, 
children of migrants without IDs, I guess it is not necessarily a discrimination against girls. It's simply that they can't write metric because they don't have IDs. But there are many children who are not registered at birth. And consequently, they do not have a nationality, a citizenship. They become stateless. Men in law can confer nationality on their children. Women, on the other hand, are unable, women, migrant women are unable to confer nationality on their own children if they do not have a birth certificate. And there are still many who do not register the birth of their children. And so if the children are not registered at birth, it creates a problem with regard to IDs. And so the laws needs to change. The United Nations has conventions in 1954 and 1960 conventions. They advocate that countries should give nationality to children born in their country. There are many migrants here in South Africa. So there are many children who are born here. They are acknowledged that they are born here, but they are not registered. And so they grow up without a nationality. When you grow up without a nationality, you can't get a job, you, can't, you struggle wherever you go. You can't do anything without an ID, simply put. All of us need to have an ID to travel, to get work, to do anything. But there are many out there who do not have these IDs and whose mothers are unable to confer nationality on them. Anyhow, dear candidates, I've been long, too long. We pay lip service We are told that God created them male and female He created them in His likeness And so in the eyes of God We are supposed to be equal And we are supposed to embrace that equality in our lives so I think we pay lip service to that. St. Paul, writing to the Galatians, says, the wall of hostility between male and female has been brought down. But clearly, it has not been brought down as long as we keep on discriminating against women. That wall of hostility is still there, and yet, and yet we are enjoined to make sure that there's no wall of hostility between men and women. And this is just beyond the commandment that says you will love your neighbor as yourself. We don't, we don't truly believe in these injunctions. We hear them, but 
in baptism. Baptism, when we receive baptism, baptism makes us, it gives us a common dignity. We receive the same baptism and therefore we're all the same children of God. And ought to note and promote the respect, the dignity given to us by baptism. But, but our behavior tells us that we don't really believe in that. I wish I could say to the young man, if you could raise your hand today and say, I will never raise my voice against any girl, and I will never fight or slap any girl in my life until I die. I wish I, wish I could ask you to do that, but, I, but I, why set you up to fail? And so I wish I could also ask the girls not to have children before you are 25 years old. And not to get married before you are sure that you are financially independent. And not to look at men and say, I like you know, <laughs> I often have an impression that girls look at men the way they look at cars. <laughs> I, I like that car better. Don't. Don't. Start off with a Toyota. Don't go for the expensive ones. The expensive ones are a little bit irresponsible. Anyhow, anyhow. My last advice to you is that you should keep a diary. A diary where you enter your spiritual experiences. Your, a diary where you write about your conversation with God, about your prayer life, about your commitment to the Eucharist, about how often do you go to church. Reflect on these things, about what has moved you in reading the Bible. Jot these things every day until your hands grow feeble and you are no longer able to write. By that time, you'll probably be in your late 80s. You're not supposed to die young these days. You're not supposed to die young. May I ask the sponsors to rise, please? Can I ask on their behalf that you buy, you buy the diaries for them? I know they can buy those diaries. They are available at OK Bazaar. <laughs> they can buy them for them. But I'm suggesting that you buy them as sponsors because, because after three months, after six months, you are entitled to ask them whether they are writing about their spiritual experiences. And if they don't, 
Then you are, you are entitled to embarrass them, shout at them. Are you able to do that? Thank, thank you, thank you. Please be seated. I challenge you to do that, dear candidates. If you are going to take your spiritual life seriously, it doesn't take you a half a page a day, two, three sentences a day, whatever strikes you in relationship with God, whatever you want to record. Because after five, ten years, you will know whether you've grown closer to Christ, you will know whether you have strayed from the path you had originally chosen. It's your life. It's your life. Take care of it. 